I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Monday. Well, full weekend of preseason action, a lot of quarterback battles, but only one quarterback played well enough for his odds to increase significantly. We'll get to that early. Also, the Baltimore Ravens, they got a bully for a coach. You know that. They've now won 18 straight preseason games. By the way, 16-2 and two against the spread. Might be something worth watching, perhaps. And the Green Bay Packers, they entered into this weekend with a nine-game home winning streak in the preseason. Somehow they lost. We'll see what AJ has to say about that. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. Live in Las Vegas, live on a Monday, live on 225 FSR stations. Christ is great, great nation. A.J. Hoffman, a big fan of the Green Bay Packers. We'll be getting to that, his analysis on that game, Jordan Love and such. And as we said, one of these quarterbacks made a quantum leap to starting. Which one could it be? Might be a surprise. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. We're the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we are looking back on a busy weekend from around the NFL, there's also rumblings about a new college football conference alignment. What is the Vegas lead here on this Monday? I'm going to start by asking you a question, Jonas, and then I'm going to ask AJ a question. And the question to you is, the quarterbacks matter most in the preseason. Which quarterback did you learn? Did you change your mind about the most? Either upgraded him because of what you saw or downgraded him? Uh, I would probably say Justin Fields upgrade, but I say that with a caveat that that was against second and third stringers when he was really starting to be his most productive. Okay, so let's start there because when you do analysis, you better be saying who, which string is playing with the quarterback. So, for example, Mac Jones, it was noteworthy. He came in after Cam Newton, but for a number of drives, uh, Belichick kept in the first-team O-line. And then after, it was the second-team O-line. So, it's one thing to go first-team against first-team. That's even. But imagine you've got the second-team O-line against the first-team D-line. Now, that's a big disadvantage. Now, imagine it's flipped. First-team O-line, second-team D-line. It's going to be a lot easier. So, in general, if you just look at the numbers, you got to ask yourself, what is the relative players around the quarterback versus the defense? Relatively, and in your mind, because of that dynamic, Justin Fields looked more impressive perhaps than he should have. 
Yeah, just because early on he looked a little shaky. There was, uh, you know, not care- a little careless with the football, should have had an interception, um, you know, made a couple of throws, but he did look a little shaky. And then when things started to settle down, I don't know if that's because he started to get acclimated or if because he was dealing with backups. Like the touchdown pass he had, that guy was wide open, um, probably not going to be the same in the pre- in the regular season. So I'm just not sure how, how I feel about him against the number ones. I think it's very, very intelligent to give that a con- is to be thinking about that now a couple things about Justin Fields why wasn't he a top pick I remember there was a lot of talk before last season before last season maybe Justin Fields goes number one maybe all the Trevor Lawrence talk was a bit premature that was more than a few segments on the talk on the talking head shows then he went what was it 11th so, what happened? Did he get, did he get uh, slow? No, no. He's not slow. We saw that Justin Fields motor, his legs, elite against NFL players, elite. Did his arm get weak? No, no. What is it? Well, there's factors other than those obvious measurables, how tall they are, how fast they run, how long and hard they can throw. Those are easy to see. You don't have to be a scout to see that. But a lot of people think they're scouting by talking about that. And here's the question, and we talked about it last week. With the guy, with the biggest bust in history, whoever you want to say a quarterback, Jamarcus Russell being a good example, The day he left the league, his arm was just as strong as it was when he was drafted. He was just as tall. And I guess as opposed to, like, if he put on a few pounds, he was just as fast. He could have been just as fast, just as quick, you know, pretty quick. He was out of the league, what, at 23, 24? But if I would have said, man, I wish our team got got him, and say, why? Well, you see him, he's 6'5". He runs a 4'6", and his arm talent, you know, top five in the league. Who wouldn't want that guy? Well, you're right, except that isn't all there is to the story. Thus, when you hear these conversations about, and, you know, I'll be candid. I think Colin right here in FSR is one who falls into this. I I think Colin has a lot of great takes. I don't agree with all of them. And when he'll say something like, oh, Mac Jones, yep, what we expected, processes fast, uh, arm average, height, you know, it's like, okay, maybe, but, like, how good is Drew Brees' arm? Or, or, you know, Brady, we can debate because his arm actually got better as the years went by through his mechanics changes and such. But in general, from the day they enter the league until they get old, and once they get old, things start going downhill. But in between that time, and that's a good 15 years, whatever you say about their speed, their height, and their arm strength is probably going to be the same throughout that 15 years. So, you know, with aging eventually being an issue. So what is it that we learn? Why are some guys drafted in the first round and are bust? And some guys like Russell Wilson drafted later, third round, Dak later, and they're, they're far from bust. They, they are two of the you know, three highest pay or four highest paid quarterbacks in the league. There's some intangible that you can't measure. So after a preseason game, what we're starting to want to understand is what are the things we can't measure – that we're now learning by watching them play. And with Justin Fields, i got to be honest, I'm not sure that we've learned a lot. 
And I know there's a lot of optimism. And Justin Fields, for example, is the one quarterback who had a big uptick in his odds. Entering this weekend, Justin Fields, to start game one for Chicago, had less than a 20% chance. And now he has a 33% chance. So from 19% to 33%, that's the only quarterback with a major leap. So, Jonas, you're right that, that there's a lot of optimism and I think you're also right to say, okay, well, Justin Fields came in in the second quarter. He looked pretty bad for a while. He was in there for seven drives, and then he looked better after halftime. And let's be candid, that's going to be when the, 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 the second string becomes the third string for the most part. What was your take, AJ, on Justin Fields? Justin Fields, I think, was the second-best quarterback physically in the draft mm-hmm. and the who was, two who was number one Trevor Lawrence okay the, the two narratives that came up pre-draft that saw, that saw his stock fall the first one was he locks in on his first receiver he doesn't go past his first read he locks in on that first guy and you can watch tape it's not necessarily true all the time a lot of qu- college quarterbacks do do that and at Ohio State your number one guy is going to be better than most guys' number one guy. So it's easy to. The first read is going to be open a lot. Yeah. Usually. Uh, the second thing that, that really started to, to push him down was, and I think Dan Orlovsky is the one who said this. And, and we should say this that comment itself got a lot of controversy behind it. It did. But go ahead. And Dan Orlovsky said his work ethic is being questioned. A lot of people say he's a last one in, first one out type of guy. You never want to hear that about your quarterback. But also, I would expect if that's the narrative about you and you drop in the draft because of it, especially early on in your NFL career, you're not going to be the last one in, first one out. Yeah, but it's like, listen, here's what I know. I've seen more than a few uncles, second uncles and such have heart attacks and they have open heart surgery. And you know what? At the next holiday function, they got a Tupperware full of greens celery <laughs> they're eating and they you walk up with a nice hors d'oeuvre and say oh no 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 and they munch on a celery stick because they're still feeling that that scar running up in their chest right they can feel it well as soon as that scar starts to fade a little bit they're eating a lot of shrimp about three years from now <laughs> I, so in general i don't care if it's life or death habits are habits and they're, they're very hard to break I don't even I, I don't know enough to know about Justin Fields' work ethic. I know that it shouldn't matter if he's black or white. If he's lazy, it should be discussed. But you know what? We also should say, you know, if the black guy is being called lazy, maybe we got to look at it twice to make sure. I think both of those are fair statements. I, you know, so I don't know. I mean. <laughs> Jonas, you read a lot of stuff in the media. Would you say that that comment about Justin Fields' work ethic being questionable was something that others backed up? I mean, obviously, some people pushed back against it. Did it feel like others were backing it up? And nobody backed it up. And and I was going to say, just in working with Brady Quinn, he's part of Big Noon Kickoff on Fox. They've been to Columbus several times over the past couple of years. He's had conversation with coaches, players, Justin Fields himself. He never heard that come out of that building that was never a conversation about work ethic that was never the issue the one thing that I would say that was a knock on him last year outside of the game against Clemson in which he was fantastic and and they were very tough in that game he took a big hit 
big time and was delivering throws from the pocket down the field, standing in, down the barrel of, of, of that pass rush by Clemson. But in the two biggest games earlier in the year against Indiana and Northwestern, Justin Fields wasn't good. In fact, he got outplayed by Michael Penix Jr. in the Indiana game, who was the quarterback for the Hoosiers at that time. And I think there was real skepticism based on what we saw last year in big moments up until that Clemson game. The work ethic part, I don't think is fair. I don't think it's accurate at all. And I've never heard anybody outside of Orlovsky say that. But the big moments last year, he did struggle two out of three games. Oh, now wait a minute. Now, what are we calling the big games? We're calling the cha- uh, the semifinal. Yeah. Well, hold on a second. They they played in the finals, right? Yes. So the semifinal so, and the finals got to be two games. And what were the other big games? The other game was Northwestern, and the other game was Indiana. So now, why those... would Northwestern be? Uh, uh, which one was in the championship game? That was Northwestern, uh, right? I, yeah, I think it was Northwestern, yes. Okay, yeah. so how, why is the Indiana game a big game? Oh, just because he played bad? No, Indiana was a good team last year. Eh, Indiana, okay. Indiana good, had a good season. So on their schedule, and they had limited games to work with, the two biggest games during the quote-unquote regular season were Indiana and Northwestern. And I think people gave him a little bit of a pass for the national title game because he clearly wasn't 100% going into that game based on the, the damage he uh-huh. took in the semifinal. Yeah, and you know, you would think Michigan would be on that list, but somehow they could they they couldn't muster a team. He smells. I mean, it was a coincidence though that that, that bad Michigan team couldn't muster the troops for to play Ohio State. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Here is the problem and the scary thing with Justin Fields, and we'll end the Justin Fields conversation with this: time to throw. So you take the snap, you make a throw. How long was it? The average of we have 19 competitive quarterbacks that we track this weekend, pregame.com. Now, who are those 19? Anyone who's in a quarterback battle, pretty much, or a rookie quarterback that got real time. So we're trying to say the new guys or the battlers. So Andy Dalton's in there, and so is even someone like Kyle Trask that's not playing for first team with Brady, but he's getting real time and such. Had 17 drawbacks, for example. The average time to throw was 2.7 seconds. Justin Fields was 3.76, so more than 3.7 seconds. Now, that's 19th out of 19th, and it's one second longer than the average. And if you say, well, who was the second longest? Let's see if they're any good. Well, Drew Locke was 3.3 seconds, so still almost a half second longer was Justin Fields, and Drew Locke was the second slowest. And i got to be honest, Drew Locke, not so good. Then you look and say, well, who else? And you would say Sam Allinger. Okay, the Colts had 3.2. That's it. That's the only people above three seconds. So 19 quarterbacks, you got one of them at 3.7 seconds. That's Justin Fields. And only two others above three seconds. That's slow. That's slow. <laughs> I mean, think about it. If you only are taking 2.7, and then you say, give me another second. That's like 40% more time. That is the processing issue. And that's why when we heard people talking last week about, did you see that throw he made? Yeah, it was like six seconds you know, during the scrimmage for the Bears. It's like, that's like six seconds after the snap, it's like you're never going to get that in the NFL. In preseason, you might be able to. I think if he can't process fa- faster, 
Justin Fields won't make it in the NFL. It doesn't matter how tall. Him and Jamarcus can be in some club of how tall and fast they are or were. And I'm an Ohio State grad. I, I want him to do well. But there was a re- here's the thing about someone falling in the draft. It's not a consensus opinion. AJ, you know this. It only takes one person to marry you. All the ones that said no to you, <laughs> that, that doesn't matter. One said yes. All those first teams, the Denver Broncos said, nah, we'll take a cornerback. We, you know, we're pretty strong in our defensive backfield. We'll take a cornerback. We'll Car- take our chances with Drew Locke. Yeah, yeah. Drew Locke, yeah. <laughs> Carolina says, oh, the savior's here. Sam Darnold. It's like, huh, okay. I'm not saying the Bears are wrong. A lot of people passed on Tom Brady. But when you have a guy entering the year that was supposed to be potentially the second pick or maybe the first, has a pretty good year. It wasn't like he had a bad year. And if anything, you can learn more from that semifinal game when he took those big hits and, you know, than most games. He had two bad games. It's hard to say his stock should have went down. It was when the scouts started looking deeper and deeper into it is when the scout said, huh, his ability to get through the progressions and the way he holds on to the ball is a problem. And that's a problem that sometimes you never can fix. You ne- you're either an anticipatory thrower or you're not. What does that mean? It means you have to either see they're open or you got to throw them open. And in the NFL, there's only a small number, smallest number that can throw or th- see them and then throw it because your arm's got to be so strong. Every other quarterback is thrown before the break, before they're open. AJ, you watched the tape. Would you agree with that? And would you agree that when it comes to Justin Fields, there's no sense that he is an anticipatory thrower yet, and it's hard to become one? Yeah, I agree with both those things. And we talked last week about Mac Jones' debut and how good he looked and what made him look so good. And it's that he does know where he wants to go with the ball. He's He's got a, a plan and a backup plan if the first plan's covered. And it doesn't seem like Justin Fields is there yet. But Boy, when you say there yet, that implies it's part of the growing pains. I'm saying it's not. I'm saying typically a quarterback isn't able to change that. I'm not saying Justin Fields can't. I'm saying he's an underdog to do that. I agree. Uh, that is a tough thing. To, it's, it, it's, it's a tough habit to break. Or it's a tough skill to learn. You know, it's a new skill. Throwing, you know, throwing them open. Last word, Jones. Yeah, I just, I think we're going to need to see a lot more. There's people that are really excited about it. Justin Fields. I wonder if part of the odds change and the improvement and sort of the hype was the fact that that was a standalone game and a lot of people got to watch it on a Saturday morning and they were looking forward to it. And I wonder how much of that is the fact that we got to see him play out and do this on national television as opposed to buried in the middle of a bunch of other games that were played on a Saturday night. No, and, and I also say this, the Bears coaching staff, of all the coaching staffs that have a quarterback competition, the Bears staff is the most tenuous with their job. Yeah. Meaning, if they start slow, they might by Thanksgiving they might be fired, and thus the way the winds are blowing. What's the public saying? What's the Tribune saying? What's the talk show saying? Probably mean more to the Bears decision makers than any other of these teams. And thus, the fact there's a lot of talk about how good Justin Fields was is probably driving the narrative, which is driving the decision to some degree. Okay, when we come back, now this is interesting. There's a quarterback that had the worst spread between his passer rating and PFF grade. So they're saying the stats were deceiving with this guy more than any other. This happens to be the guy 
This happens to be the guy that one of our experts thinks had the best, most impressive weekend. That doesn't make any sense. We'll get to it. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words and I have I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a look back on the season debuts for several quarterbacks in the NFL. And Mackenzie Rivers under the spotlight. Cousin Kyle, is he a homer? Is he kind of bought and paid for? I don't know. We'll see his analysis about Trey Lance. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. That's because of you spreading the word. Thank you. And we promise to keep working extra hard to deliver winners and smiles. <laughs> you can listen on 225 stations coast to coast right here in Vegas on the Strip. 106 degrees. The neon is pumping. So, RJ, one of the quarterbacks that made his debut over the weekend was Zach Wilson of the New York Jets. He was taken number two overall by New York in this past draft, and he went six of nine for 63 yards in the Jets' 12-7 win over the Giants. And we're joined in studio by A.J. Hoffman. A.J., this was your big takeaway about Zach Wilson of the entire weekend. Yeah, Zach Wilson was a guy that I expected to look rough. Uh, I, I was not a big fan of him, you know, before the draft. I, I did not think highly of him. So, so why? Uh, just watching some film, I, I thought that he had some physical limitations. Uh, and what, what were those physical limitations? I, I didn't think that he was going to make all these throws. So his arm talent. Not really that, but the, the being able to make those throws while facing NFL defense. Obviously, when oh, you, so you play slight, a, slight of stature. Yeah, and you figuring he's going to take too many hits. Well, and I figured level of competition that he played against. There was just a lot of things lined up against but him. Did you feel that about Trey Lance? I did not. Because his level of competition was even lower. It was, but so. I, I guess. For, but he also has some physical gifts that I thought would would get him through that. All right, so this is kind of like a like a guy who played Indiana high school basketball, small school. He goes goes to like Oklahoma or Indiana U. Oh, the, Damon Bailey is a good example of this. Do you remember Damon? I Bailey? do not. Oh my God! Do you, Jonas? Name sounds familiar. Damon Bailey was one of the most famous high school recruits ever. And he was like supposed to be Bobby Knight's final masterpiece. And he was like, you know, the best Indiana basketball player for years. And he was white. And let's say he was he was like Larry Bird if he was if it wasn't Larry Bird, right? And Damon Bailey was a bust relative to the expectations. Why? The physical physical tools weren't weren't there when he went up to that next level. You're saying, yeah, maybe he was Zach Wilson was okay playing against Coastal Carolina, but against the NFL, he was going to be physically overwhelmed. That was kind of my prediction, and I looked wrong after one preseason game. Zach Wilson's making throws that a lot of veteran quarterbacks can't make. So I don't want to overreact on on one data point, but he looked very good in this game. The question is now that we have to ask ourselves: Is are we talking arm talent, or are we talking? things like height, speed, and durability. Because if it's arm talent, I think anyone that watched the tape, and I think you'd agree, 
he was compared to Patrick Mahomes. He can throw the ball. So that, like that, you know, Colin today was talking about the extra zip that he has on the ball. If it's speed or release, however you want to describe it, and some of it is just not describe. You know, some of it is just. Hey, all the things together. How? Why did Marino? How could he throw so quickly? I don't know. He could though. Right? I don't know what makes Zach Wilson's throw throwing better than most, but I think it is. So now the question is: If it's about durability, how can one game tell us anything? So, like in a weird way, this is almost like going all in in poker. It works till it doesn't. And then you're done. Is, are we going to be at the point where we think Zach Wilson's fine until one hit later, he's out for the year, and then we find out that he's going to be out pretty much every year? Well, it's funny because the first couple of weeks of practice, it was, oh, Zach Wilson, he's he's looking rough. He looks like he has no idea what he's doing out there. And I said, yep, about what I expected. And then he gets on the field. And I said, wait a minute. This guy is is not looking nearly as bad as everyone's been telling me he's looking. So, it, it, I, I don't know. It could just be, hey, he, he the, it took some lumps in practice, but he's going to figure it out. And all the, all the scouts that thought he was the second best guy in this draft were right. Or, like you said, we could see down the road something happens and we say, there you go. I told you so. I told you that was going to happen eventually. That's A.J. Hoffman. We are straight out of Vegas. Zach Wilson, passer rating, the 10th best of the 19 tracked. His PFF grade, PFF grade number one, 86th grade, the best performance from any quarterback of the 19 that are in competitive or rookie quarterbacks or competitive quarterbacks for their starting job. Zach Wilson, number one. Jonas, your takeaway on Zach Wilson? I mean, he, the arm is there. You can tell by a couple of those throws. Um, he's got a little, uh, he's got a little cutler to him in my mind, just because of the release, and and he's got a cannon, and and that's been talked about, you know, for a long time with him, especially coming into the draft. My, I just think. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with one game against the Giants. I don't know what sort of defenses they were throwing at him. I don't I don't know what sort of progressions he went through that you would look at him and go, well, he was clearly number one over the weekend. I think of all the quarterbacks taken in the first round, he's in by far and away the toughest spot because there is no veteran backup. There's not a whole lot of talent around him. It's basically trial by fire. We're going to throw you out there, uh, and we're going to expect that uh, that you're going to improve our chances of, of you know making the playoffs or at least winning a few games. And I still look at New York and I go, they're clearly by far and away, not even close to being the worst team in that division. I just don't know how much of an upgrade this is over Sam Darnold. So, so you're saying that the Jets are clearly the worst team in their division. Yes. yes. Okay. And thus, he's now there's two ways to look at that. One is no pressure. As long as he doesn't get hurt, it's a learning experience. I mean, Peyton Manning had a horrible rookie year. Now, this was a different century when Peyton Manning did, but still, this is a good debate, though, because we're having this debate about Justin Fields. So, let me propose the following. We're straight out of Vegas. One is with the new CBA or the CBA from 2012, there's very little practice time for backup quarterbacks. So, the whole idea of Sit out a year and learn, a la Mahomes. Yeah, you can watch tape. You can be with a coach, can be with you, helping you think about things. But on the field, you're not going to be practicing very much. Okay, so what is the value of waiting then? The value is if there's a better quarterback on the roster, that team has a better chance to win with the better quarterback. But now the question is, well, what happens if winning's really not 
an option, meaning they're not going to win more than half their games at best. So now is it really about winning or is it about getting ready to win next year and the year after? So debate number one is who gives you a better chance to win now? All right. The second thing is what gives the player a better chance to be good as the future happens in the future? Okay, that's playing, except for one thing, if you get hurt. Or if you get ruined, is what they call it. David Carr. That's what happened now, to him. What, what, how would you describe what happened to Carr? David Carr got drafted number one overall by a, a, an expansion franchise, the Houston Texans, played behind a terrible offensive line, and just never developed as an NFL player because they threw him out there day one on a roster that just wasn't ready to compete, and he just got buried constantly, and his confidence got ruined. He was just never the guy that anyone thought he could be. You can start – I mean, confidence is one of the things – other thing is you start seeing ghosts, as it was famously said, and now you're worried about players at your feet all the time. If you listen to the scouts, eye level. You hear eye level, eye level. A guy like Big Ben and, again, a first ballot Hall of Famer, is he always, no matter what was happening, his eyes are downfield. Now, as he's gotten older and this happens, the eyes come down a little bit. Mike Lombardi, friend of the show, talks about this all the time. When the eyes start coming down, you're not looking for the big play anymore. You're looking for the check down. For example, Andy Dalton. Of all 19 quarterbacks we tracked, Andy Dalton's average depth of target, meaning how far downfield was the player he was throwing to? Andy Dalton's was two and a half yards downfield. Jimmy G's was 1.3 yards downfield. Now, he only dropped back three times. So they were in total four yards downfield, 1.3 per three dropbacks. That means he's throwing dump-off passes. Now, the big numbers downfield, Justin Fields, 10 yards downfield, the average depth of target. Trey Lance, 11 yards downfield. Um, By the way, those guys competing directly with the first two guys you just mentioned. Drew, well, that's why they were. Gives you reason for excitement. Drew Locke, 17 yard average depth of target. He's going way downfield. So, Jameis Winston, 13 yards downfield. And Kyle Trask, 14 yards downfield. They're looking to make big plays. So, it's check down. Where's your eyes at? A lot of factors here. But Zach Wilson, I think, impressed, no doubt. It's interesting. He was the second pick, and it wasn't even a debate. I mean, usually you see him wavering the back and forth. Uh-uh. Jets decided on him, and they never wavered, as far as anyone could tell. A good introduction. Okay, we're going to talk about Trey Lance and McKenzie's thoughts, and they are controversial. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. The Falcons were mentioned there, but I got to tell you something. As Fezzik pointed out in his pre show notes, Atlanta averaged 0.8 yards per pass. So every time they pass the ball, on average, they gain less than a yard. And his quote was, not even sure if this is possible. <laughs> and, and literally, they had, is this right, 7 of 21, and they must have had less than 21 yards. Pass. What was their passing yards, McKenzie? Pull it up. I mean, I guess it would have been like 18 or something. Could that be they had 18 yards passing? 21. 21 yards passing on 21 attempts? 
1.0. I'm just, my math is saying 1.0. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing that in my head. But either way, one yard per attempt. So if they got 10 yards per set of downs, they'd get a first down every time. <laughs> well, you, fa- you factor in sacks, I guess it's less than one. Now, that's an interesting point. And, and then a couple other quick hitters here. Uh, Jacksonville, you know, got beat by 10 against Cleveland. Now, I am on record officially. I think I'm in the national media. I'm leading the let's question if Trevor Lawrence is really that good train. So anyone else that tries to jump me later, it's just revisionist history. Didn't look so good. Now, we can say, oh, well, it's the O-line, blah, blah, blah. Maybe, except the, uh, Cleveland played very few starters. Jacksonville played their starters a massive amount of time, and they got crushed. So, yeah, you might be right. It is that if he had more time, he could throw better. But I think, in general, Jacksonville pessimism is called for. And let's be candid. There's a lot of talk about, well, maybe Jacksonville is a secret sleeper to win the division. I don't know. This was a downgrade, and Fez was talking about this for Jacksonville. And finally, and Jonas talked about this earlier, is when you see a team's performance, you got to question and then consider how long they play their starters, how long did the other team, how motivated were they. Denver, some people said they played like it was a Super Bowl. The, the schemes they were putting out there, the trickery, the intensity, they dominated 33-6. to No doubt they won and clearly won. I don't think it's much of a cause for optimism. They were so motivated. Maybe we can take advantage of that next week. All right, when we come back, we are going to get that take on Trey Lance. The stats say he's not, he was horrible. McKenzie, cousins with Kyle Shanahan, said he was wonderful. We'll see. <laughs> he's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And R.J., we've been talking about the quarterback debuts in the NFL preseason over the weekend. And last but not least, we must talk about Trey Lance of the 49ers, drafted number three overall. The 49ers lose the game, but the story and the highlight from that game was an 80-yard touchdown throw from Trey Lance, who finishes 5 of 14 for a buck 28 in the air and that touchdown pass. We'll start with the facts. Trey Lance, if you look at his PFF grade, pro football focus, out of 19 quarterbacks that are in competitive quarterback competitions, I guess you call them, (laughs) competitive competitions, and the other rookies that aren't, so rookies and those competing for a job, Trey Lance was 19 out of 19. That's last. His grade was 48.8 at PFF. Now... If you look at his passer rating, his passer rating was eighth. So it was the biggest disparity between, hey, the passer rating says one thing, but the grade says the other. Well, what's that tell you? It means statistically there was like maybe a fluky 80-yard play. (laughs) All right? Okay. So if you look at the other numbers, yeah, you know, he had completed 5 of 14. 
Now, again, in Pop Warner, perhaps you'd say that was good, you know, third graders or whatever. Five of 14, you don't ever see that in the NFL. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen it, to be honest, that bad. Okay, now, it happens to be that Kyle Shanahan, and around here we call him Cousin Kyle, (laughs) is first cousins with Mackenzie Rivers, pregame.com. He came in today, and he was quiet for the first minute or two, and then almost it was wasn't even at the right time to interject this. <laughs> he just said, like almost like he was waiting, he was counting in his head. He goes, "You know, I, I know it's not exactly what other people think, but I thought that uh, Trey Lance looked great." <laughs> so I thought, and he started explaining. I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Save it, save it!" I go, "Save this for the air." So, Mackenzie Rivers, make your case. All right, we're talking about 19 quarterbacks that are either rookies or in competitive positions. If you look at the 19, there is one that an average depth of target of longer than 10 yards. Now, and now by the way, the, that, that pass went 49 yards in the air. So, <laughs> exactly. you might want to you know, drag that one out and recalculate, but go ahead. And the guy was double teamed and he hit him on stride. Very difficult throw, in my opinion. He was the only one to throw for more than 10 yards per throw and throw less than 2.7 seconds per throw. So they challenged him. He got used to the run option. He got used to all these things in college. They said, you're not throwing any screen passes, nothing easy. You're throwing deep So, so, so hold on a second. You're saying the Kansas City Chiefs, off, off their Super Bowl loss, Andy Reid said, you know what? We got a game plan up. How can we stop Trey Lance? And they put in like a special defense for him. No, I don't think it was a reaction to the defense. I think it was a reaction to what Trey Lance has not proven yet, and that he can be an NFL quarterback. We know he can be an NFL running back, probably best in the league, out the gate. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You think Trey Lance could just be, right now be the best running back in the league? Maybe top 10, 250, 6'3", his kind of speed, 4'5". Yeah, I would like to see it, but I'm happier to see him play quarterback. So, really, as a fallback position, he, he'll he be like like uh, McCaffrey, if he wanted to be, that, that can throw the option pass if needed. Isn't it exciting? <laughs> I mean, just look at what the 49ers do. Jimmy Garoppolo has, the last two years, the least average depth of target. They throw screen passes. West Coast mentality, West Coast style but McKenna, from do Bill me Walsh. Fa- do me a favor. Subtract out the 49 yards from the average at the target and tell us where he ranks after that. AJ, what was your take on Trey Lance? I guess Trey Lance, the the it's what go I ahead, thought please. all along. Go ahead, please. The up the upside with Trey Lance is there. I'm just waiting it's to like, see it. It's like if Brad Pitt comes in to audition for a role and he and he screws it up and he walks out and you say he's good looking though. Yeah, yeah, we knew that coming in. Anything, Jonas? <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't come away from that game thinking anything other than I still need to see a little bit more yeah. from Trey Lance. Nothing I, proven. I I do think though because of McKenzie being so over the top in support of Trey Lance that there's going to be some green button bets against the Trey Lance-led 49ers. We'll see. We'll see. One last topic. (laughs) One last topic. Me and AJ and McKenzie had a little battle going. Jonas, how'd the 49er game turn out? Oh, I'm sorry. Check that. How did... How did the Green Bay game turn out? Yeah, not too hot for the Green Bay Packers who opened up their preseason at home. A 26-7 route by the Houston Texans on the road. How, were you watching the game? How was it when it, when, it was under, when, it, when it was happening? Were you just chuckling to yourself? I just thought, man, <laughs> this is going to be a rough Monday for somebody at this point. The fact I, that, thank you for feeling for the me. The fact that I waited till the end. But, but be honest, Jonas, didn't it play out exactly how I said it would? I said, listen, Green Bay's got the better starters. Houston might be the deepest team in the league. It'll be a whitewash from the first quarter on. 
Yeah, right or wrong? Only, yeah, and the story coming out now is, well, Jordan Love was banged up, so now he might sit out the next game. So it was bad all the way through for Green Bay. Which is a real problem. If you get hit a couple of times, you're already getting MRIs. But in general, what we learned here is RJ over AJ. That's what we learned. <laughs> we are straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. If you missed any of the show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com for a deep dive on the quarterback debuts from around the league in the NFL this weekend. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, you can listen to the show every single weekday on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! 